Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Uh, We know that D.C. lawmakers often use the immigration crisis, the problems at the border, as a political football. But this approach has a real cost. And we've been talking about this. uh, And I'm tired of that real cost. The real cost is is both resources and, more importantly, it's human lives. Our immigration system is broken. It's buckling under a lack of leadership from both sides of the political aisle. And so the question then becomes, how do we build – an actually functioning immigration system that can actually do the things that we need it to do and that it seems to me that most people actually agree on once you get out of the political arena. So how do we get to that? Uh, Chris Richardson is the general counsel and COO at BDV Solutions, an immigration agency. He's also a former U.S. diplomat and co-founder of Argo Visa. And uh, Chris, you had a great piece in The Hill, uh, which right from the title, Gimmicks Won't Solve the Humanitarian Crisis, at the border. From your perspective, uh, where are we when it comes to the border and immigration? I think that where we are right now is that our leaders in Washington, it's so much easier just to point fingers at each other than it actually is to sit down and do the hard work that's needed and necessary. Um, I think that on one hand, you have one political party basically saying that all these people are terrible, and we're going to ship them all over the country. But on the other side of the equation, you have another political party that's basically saying that we don't have a problem, that the two million people that we've um, admitted into the country, um, that this isn't an issue. And it's just easier, unfortunately, to point the fingers at each other than sit down and risk something. Um, And that's why I wrote that op-ed was just this idea that I think both sides are relying on gimmicks when our country demands more than that. Yeah, and I think that is uh, the the statement of the day. I think it's so important that we get beyond just the grandstanding, the gimmicks, all of those things. Um, We know that uh, most everybody in Washington, it was one of the things that always surprised me going back to D.C. as a a non-political guy, uh, was the fact that everybody kind of agrees on what we need to do, but nobody's willing to do it because it's too easy to raise money off it for campaigns or use it as a wedge issue in elections. Mm -hmm. And the other aspect of that is that for a lot of people in Washington, they don't want to do the popular stuff 
without trying it to the unpopular stuff. And the problem is, is that the unpopular stuff, it's just easy for the other side to say, well, no, we just will do anything rather than agree to the unpopular stuff, right? Like yeah. there's, been a, there's been a framework for immigration reform. Um, in 2013, there was a framework uh, that had 60, 70 senators that would, would have voted on it. You had a framework in the mid-2000s as well, but no one side is willing to risk their political career to make um, the, the, the changes necessary and to do the hard work necessary because they look at you know what happened with Lindsey Graham and John McCain or other senators and they say, well, I don't want to be that guy that gets attacked um, for being, quote unquote, for amnesty, or I don't want to be that guy or that person who gets attacked for trying to um, build the wall. Um, and so I think that for, for us, the problem is we're having a labor crisis, but we're also having a leadership crisis across the country. Uh, it is. It's a leadership crisis, uh, to be sure. And I loved how you started your piece uh, at thehill.com in that run-up to the Civil War that you had uh, Henry Clay, of course, rising to speak against the Southern proposal that would that would bar even the discussion of slavery in Congress. Uh, and you uh, quoted that famous quip of, uh, I'd, I'd rather be right than be president. Uh, and that's really become kind of a symbol, I think, in many ways for not just uh, for the highest office in the land, but for senators and for members of the House of Representatives and even governors uh, that they would rather win the political point than actually solve the country's problem. Absolutely right. And you look at Senator Henry Clay, you look at Daniel Webster, you look at the senators that we've had in the past or the leaders that we've had in the past who've looked at the nation as a whole, not just sectionally, not just regionally, and not certainly their political party, but looked at, okay, what can we do to bring people together? What can we do to tap into the spirit of 1776 to ensure that our country is continuing, that this idea of America is continuing? And unfortunately now, it's just easier to win the news cycle than to win the policy. Um, and unfortunately, the people who are paying for that are the American people as a whole, but also these, these immigrants and these people yeah. who are entering the country. Um, and it also, it also hurts those people who actually are coming here for actual asylum. And we're using the asylum system as a back way, as a backdoor to doing the policy things that we just don't want to do as a country. Yeah, that's so important, and it is far easier to win the news cycle than it is to actually help the nation solve the problem. Uh, one of the things that you you talked about is is that we need to to really have this view of the immigration system as expansive and nimble. Uh, give us some details there. Yeah, so the issue with the immigration system is that we haven't had real immigration reform in 30, 30 years. 1990 was the last time we really took a look and a hard look at immigration. And the issue is, is that we don't, everyone's always like, well, you know, these people need to get in line, but there is no line anymore. The immigration system is just fundamentally broken to the point that people are using asylum as a way to get workers. Um, what I mean is we need an immigration system that is large enough that these people can interview in their home countries, that, you know, when a company says, well, I need this amount of workers, we can interview, vet these people, get them out of their embassies and into the United States in a responsible way, rather than putting them through what I would call the Depression Olympics, basically, of how much can you suffer? Are you willing to mm -hmm. suffer to get to the border to find an officer that will let you in? Um, what we need is an immigration system that is big enough that it can absorb and process these people and does it in a fair way and in a just way so that we don't have these people who risk their lives to come to the border. 
Yeah, and and that uh, yeah. that whole process of of the asylum seekers on one hand, those who are coming here, those who are coming here, as you as you mentioned at the beginning, uh, that are just here because they do want to work, and allowing them to come and work and go back as they as they please, having that system, and then those that do want to come and become citizens and and become part of part of the country, those are all different and should be dealt with in a different way. Uh, but it seems that it's it's much easier to use that uh, blunt force instrument. Uh, which always produces the fake fights, the false choices, uh, anger, fear, and frustration, as opposed to thoughtful discussion in terms of, of how do we get this right so that we can treat all of those who come to the border, regardless of circumstances, not as liabilities to be managed, but as as assets of people with divine potential that can actually add value to the country. Exactly. And you're seeing this every day as a country. You know, if you go to any restaurant and you see that restaurants, everyone in the country is struggling with a labor shortage. And everybody in the country is complaining about it. And we're crying for leadership. We're desperate for leadership. But our country is basically, our elected leaders are basically saying that, well, we would rather these unelected officials on the Fed basically spike the economy and drag us into recession than deal with inflation, supply chain shortages, and find a way to deal with our labor crisis by using the legal immigration system. And that's where we are as a country, and it's so sad that the answer is there. Our leaders know what the answer is, but nobody wants to put their neck out and risk their political career to do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, great insights. A great piece at thehill.com. Chris Richardson's the general counsel and COO of at uh, BDV Solutions and Immigration Agency. Chris, great piece. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that's some really great insight there uh, from Chris. Uh, it is going to take leadership and courage. And would you be willing to say, I'd rather be right than be president? Would I rather be right than have a political office? Would I rather be right and get it right for the country? Or am I only interested in holding on to power? That's the question. That's the crisis when it comes to immigration. We've got to have a different discussion. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.